It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. What it is, man. Uh, it's the wise men with Tyrus. But at this point, if you don't know, it's me. The hell with you. Um, crazy week, fellas. Um, what do we want to talk about? There's so much stuff going on. Um, I guess everyone was shocked uh, about... Edge or Adam or whatever the hell he calls himself showing up at AW or were you kind of expecting it? I think it's great. I thought, I mean, everybody was talking about it and you hear the stooge sites talking about it and you guys know as well as I do, we can only believe a certain percentage of it. Uh, I don't even. But for, <clears throat> yeah, you don't even, you don't even read that stuff. No, but, I never did. Um, where there's smoke, there's fire on some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I popped huge. Like, I, I think that's great. Like, we need to drop the whole, like, you know, you're one company and I'm one company. Like, we're all in the wrestling business. And everybody, I think it's common knowledge that in WWE, to a certain extent, you don't get to have as much freedom as you do other places. Right. And But you get the bigger paychecks and the bigger exposure. So it's like a, it's like a trade-off. It's a, right. But... At, at Edge's point in his career, he would he's got the money and he's got the fame, so he wants to go out and my, the way I'm seeing it, the way he wants to, and you know how important that is. Yeah, well, they gave him a pretty good send off in the WWE. I thought, like I said, I'm a, I have my own issues with him, just the way that he uh, handled me in Alberto uh, at WrestleMania. So I'll just. I'll just leave it at that. But um, oh, I didn't know there was some backstage hizzy. It wasn't even hizzy, man. It was just uh, we busted our ass for six months putting him and Christian over uh, for Alberto to win at Mania, and they called an audible on us. <clears throat> and then he just retired, you know. And I always thought that was not how we kind of do things. You go out on your shield, but we'll hopefully you can get it right. You know, do it the right way. But. Um, <sighs> I don't care. I was more, uh, you know, a lot of guys got released. Uh, we, we used to call it Black, whatever day it was, it was like Black Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. When everyone's whatever scared to answer their phones. How about, how about Ziggler? That's, he got released, right? Yeah, I just, yeah. that one, That's, you know. I didn't see that one. He's a contract expired, I want to retire guy, I think. That's I mean, what I thought. Dolph is one of those special talents that I don't think he's ever really had a bad match. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he is the le- he legitimately uh he is our our generation's uh, Mr. Perfect. Like he can I I yeah. wrestled him uh, at least 100 times during my time in the WWE and every time I got in there with him I learned something new. Like he's just one of those guys, man, and he's probably the most unselfish guy. Uh, at one point, there's that moment after Mania when I gave him that headbutt on the ramp, and it's one of the most vicious headbutts. The way he landed on the ramp, it was just like his body was yep. broken in half. And a uh, couple weeks later, you know, they wanted that bump again at SmackDown, and uh, we, at least we were on the floor when it happened. But I was, and I could see, like, it was just. He was so committed to the taking that crazy bump that I was just like, "We, hey man, we we're not going to be able to do what we did at Mania again with that uh, headbutt. So let's let's do it. Let's keep it in the ring, you know. Let's keep it in the ring where you're not landing on steps and metal grates and stuff because it just it was because he won't. He'll do it for the match, you know what I mean? He's one of those guys that will do whatever for the match, and um, he's just a fun guy to work. And uh, he had one of the best catchphrases on house shows ever, um, <laughs> and it became a thing uh, till to this day, where it was like, um, "Well, that's my time later, Marks," and it popped the hell out of me. I laughed so hard, and then of course, the office said he couldn't say it, but I was like, "Man, I don't care. That's my literally my 
whenever something's over and done with, well, that's my time. Later, Marks. Uh, was one of the. He doesn't get enough credit for his promos. You know, his in ring work is outstanding. But again, Dolph's one of those guys where he was doing some stuff here at Fox News. He was on the Kennedy Show a few times. Um, I thought maybe he was going to branch out to where he was going to do more political stuff, or because uh, I think he he can do whatever he wants to do. Um, he's got the stand up comedy thing he was doing. His brother's talent. I mean, they're a very talented family. So. Uh, I just don't think a guy like – but then again, I guess that's the business. That's the way it works, you know. Oh, he's, not to mention he's a he's a legitimate shooter too. Right? Yeah, he has like a, a yeah. great amateur background, like great amateur yeah, background. Don't, don't think – don't be twisted on his size. He'll, he'll yeah, no. tie you up in a knot. No, he's – Is uh, he still a Hall of Fame guy even though – Yeah, that – yeah, you can't. Yeah, I mean right? – It doesn't matter. I mean him and Kofi, their first ballot – I mean, you yeah. just – the longevity, uh, never an off-the-field issue. Uh, made, I mean, how many guys have they made? I mean, if you put uh, – when I, I just think of him and Kofi when I think of guys that, like, have done it all, uh, have w- far exceeded whatever expectations was put on them. Uh, Hell, he was world champion. Yeah, yeah. And um, I guarantee you, while he was standing there as a member of the Spirit Squad, no one looked at him and said, "Yeah, that dude." No, it was the it was the taller kid that was supposed to be the star. Yeah, Dykstra. Uh, Dykstra. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. And um, they were supposed to be the stars, but um, but uh, working Dolph and FCW and and uh, like I said, I think I hope that you know he can go anywhere he wants to. AEW, NWA, he can go wherever the hell he wants to. I mean, he's who impact? I mean, there's literally your roster is going to get better with a guy like Dolph on it. Period. But I hope um, he uses his platform and takes a chance at some other things. You know, um, try the acting thing. You know, um, I know he was doing really well over here at Fox. He was he was getting on shows and stuff. I hope he uh, considers that. Like, you just want to see guys that because uh, I don't know what else he can do. In wrestling, you know, you kind of get to a point where you're like, what is left for a guy like Dolph who's done it all and was never supposed to be the guy? And he did it anyways, you know, and uh, they used to mess with him a lot. Like the crowd be chanting Dolph and they'd be saying it was chanting the other guy. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> I, I remember when they gave him the name Dolph Ziggler. He was hot. Yeah. He was like, what is this? And then even when he came back to FCW, I was thinking, yeah, man, what? I mean, I, you know, I know you can't be Nick Nemeth, but he was real hot about that. And then he turned that into gold. Yeah, because Dolph Ziggler, I mean, sounds like something, a character in Boogie Nights. Right. <laughs> what was, all right, here's a million movie buffs. What was um, uh, the, the star's name in um Dirk Diggler. Dirk Diggler. So Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, it's pretty close, man. I'm not a I'm not a rocket scientist, but I feel like I'm right on this one. That's pretty hey, close. If you're gonna be, but hey, that cat in that movie apparently had uh, some. Yeah, that doesn't. But that doesn't help you though when you're working for a PG company. This isn't the like Val Venus, like you know what I'm saying. Like that's, everybody can pull it off. He's yeah, pull it you off. had a poor name, a poor name in the PG <laughs> era. So, congrats. Uh, yeah, and he pulled it off because you know what? I don't. No one ever made fun of his name that I'm aware of. No, because he was no. just too damn good. You know, uh, I him and I that's had a cool. match uh, at a pay per view, and it was scheduled for like I think it was eight minutes, and um, we were getting ready to go home. This is when it was him and uh, Swagger, who I still think is one of the best groups. Him, Swag, and and Vicky Guerrero is probably one of the best. He, if you ever got a chance to work with them on house shows and stuff, they just get heat. Like uh, they would just walk in the building, the place would just be on fire, and everybody wants to see them uh, get punched in the mouth. You know, uh, maybe you'll, maybe you'll see it again. And uh, yeah. And uh, we're re- we're getting ready. We're right at that. You got about two minutes to go home or whatever. And uh, the match was going really well. And we go, hey, you guys got four more minutes. They gave you minutes. And he was right, like, trying to – he hooked me up for a suplex, which I uh, was going to counter. And he was like, hey, don't let me suplex you. And I was like, you sure? <laughs> he was, like, 
he started laughing while we're in the th- we're in the thing and we're moving around and I'm like you do it I'll go I'll get up for you and uh, he was like nah I was like we're having a co- don't let me suplex your brother I was like all right and then we did the deal and then we uh, had I ended up feeding out for swag to do some stuff but uh, it was really cool that you know and uh, it was a big pay per view for the Funkasaurus so um, and uh, working. Working a former world heavyweight champion, you know, working him and Miz. Miz, the same kind of guy, cut the cloth. Uh, they were just uh, him and and uh, and Cordona. They're all that. They're all that kind of like they can just work anybody. You know, they're just one of those guys that they work the match. They they don't really have an ego when they go out there, and it's it's fun because a lot of times guys who are over or aren't getting the nod that necessarily they think they should can have a bad attitude. You know, and you could never accuse Dolph of that. So wherever those he ends up, guys be you fun. want in the locker. Those are the type of guys you want in the locker. Yeah, room. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, he can go wrestle yeah. a guy for an hour, or he can wrestle a guy for three minutes, and it's going to be the same, the same attitude. And that's one of the cool things about Dolph. But uh, Dolph will be fine. I think he can go wherever he wants to go. Or you know what? He doesn't have to do anything because he's also, uh, for those of us who know him, he was very smart with his money. Well, wasn't he doing some comedy stuff there for a while? He was doing comedy. I think he still does. Uh, I know his brother was. Well, so if I had a choice to do comedy or take bumps, I'm probably going to lean towards the comedy side. Yeah, if you can get, if you can pull it off, if you can put asses in the seats, yeah. Well, Cause, cause like you, everybody said, that guy's done everything in wrestling. Like, he's done it all. So it, it would be make natural sense for him to try to accomplish uh, dominate somewhere else well just because i think he has the it factor i think he can do not everybody does like um some guys are just great wrestlers you know and they try the movie thing and it just doesn't really develop so then they come back um and that's that's fine there's nothing wrong with being great at specializing in one thing you just with this day and age you would like to see guys not have to stay longer than they need to. Not that they can't go. It's just that when they got to pay that bill, um, that their body's cashing, where their their twilight years, their the injuries and stuff are really like you, you hate to see when the atrophy kicks in, and you know because a lot of the old, the old legends that we love when we see them and we see what the the hell they put their body through to entertain us for you know twenty years. When you see uh, Arn, when you see. Um, Haku, you see the guys dug in. You see the guys from those eras, like their bodies are beat to hell. You know, and and you want them to be. You want to walk away. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna leave something out there. I mean, that's just the way it works. No one, no. It doesn't matter. Football, basketball, baseball. You know, professional wrestling. You're, you're jogging in, but you're you're walking out. If you know, you're not you're not jogging. Out, you're not as brisk. You're grizzles when you come out. You know. <laughs> That's a slow walk on the way out. Yeah, you know, it's the grizzled walk. You walk real slow in the back and, you know, hey, what's going on? And then your music hits and then you're young again. And then as soon as you come back through the curtain, you're grizzled again. You know, you go back into the, hey, guys, what's going on, brother? Uh, Well, on a side note, though, isn't that crazy, the power of the mind on how – and you've been there, all of us have, everybody that's on the podcast. Adrenaline, yeah. Brother, like we've all been walking to the curtain limping – and as soon as that music hits, it feels like, all right, it's kind of gone away now. And we go out, and it's like, I don't know, oil to a tin man. And we go out and do our business, do our job, and we come back. And as soon as we get through that curtain again, that pain kind of kicks back in again. You're like, holy crap. Hold it right there. We'll be back in a jiffy. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. You know, you know what's weird is, and Aaron, have you ever been injured? Um, no, to be yeah, very honest. I mean, yeah, I I'm trying like to think. Injury. I don't remember a time. When you were ever beat up, and it wasn't, I mean, you were physical as it gets. I've, uh, no, like, like to me, and, and the weird thing, right, and some people, you know, like, they're going to say it's laziness, but I have always um, worked not to the maximum level of my physicality only because I, I did not want to have to use more 
more physical or I, I'm sorry, I didn't want to have to take more physical risks than I needed to. In other words, as a heel. Right. And then like you guys wrestle me. Right. Yep, million my times. job is to get the people to, to hate me and love you guys. If in my wheel set, right, I, if I don't have to do a moonsault, which I can still do to this day, why would I, right? In, in, in a moonsault, for those of you that don't know, it's that you stand on the top rope facing the audience and you do a backflip, right? Yeah. So um, what you're saying you know, is, you is that you're, kind of you're like, telling the story and you're not going to do moves to make you cool, which then they cheer for you and you basically fuck the baby face over. No, a hundred percent. No, yeah. I mean, I've had bumps and bruises. What like a concept. I was training, I yeah. What a concept. Ankle. Yeah, but it, look, it served me well because I, I'm I'm lucky. You know, I, I truly am lucky to have my health the way that I do. So, well, you work smart, and that, whatever you know, you you always work yeah. smart. I mean, we would get so much out of nothing. Probably the first five <laughs> minutes of our match, like, I mean, just absolutely nothing. I mean, just. And uh, before the show today, I was watching uh, Orndorff and B. Brian Blair, and uh, they went 20 minutes in uh, the match. And I was like, what a great opening match. You know, Orndorff did his stalling shit, you know, took forever to get in the ring. And then um, he, you know, he uh, jumped him, uh, got on him a little bit, and then uh, went for something and hurt his knee. And then Brian basically worked his leg and just punished him and then, Come back, roll up, and then when you thought uh, B went for he went for a move he executed earlier, and then he went back to it. But uh, Orndorff anticipated it, and then got him in a small package and stole the match. And I was like, "What a great concept!" The guy makes a mistake, and the heel capitalized on it. And I was like, "Wow!" There was not one, and the place was going nuts, absolutely nuts when uh, Brian. Uh, made the comeback on Orndorff. They wanted to see Orndorff get his ass kicked so bad because he didn't give them anything. They just wanted him to get beat up, you know. And they're yelling, Paula, and he's losing his mind. And then, you know, Blair starts getting him up, and he shuts it back down. He made them work for it. And then he gave it to him. And then, of course, Orndorff stole it. And, um, you know, but he didn't get his pile driver in. Even though his whole promo was like, I'm going to pile drive you so many times, you're going to be a, a midget when I'm done with you. But he didn't get it, but he got the heat. The move didn't matter. Protected the move. He protected his own move. Yeah. You know what? And, and you know, can I say something else? Oh, sorry, Trev. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, if I could just say about Orndorff while Tyrus was explaining the match, and this is an art that. Man, nobody does it nowadays, um, and it's the the ass whooping that Orndorff would take. He wasn't just a bump feed. How he would beg off, how he'd shake his head, how he would just put the other guy's stuff over. Yep. And um, that like there is an art to that, to where you have to take an entertaining butt kicking, and um, that's like again the stuff that's getting lost in translation. But I'm that's well, it's just next, back, move, next move, next move, yeah, next move, next move. Oh my god! But like. Like, when Orndorff would beg off, it would be crazy because he was this giant tough guy, and then he would, you know, he understood the business enough to be like, no, I'm going to give the baby face this. And he he was amazing at making who he was in there with. Yeah, because the baby face is the better wrestler. That's why you cheat. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're, not a better re- you're not a better wrestler. So when you out-wrestle the baby face and beat him, you just buried the guy. And there's a lot of bearings. You know, I watched a guy give a guy four power bombs the other night, and I was like, one should be enough. You know, you're just picking yeah, a guy up and power bombing him, and then picking him up and power bombing him, and then picking him up and power bombing him. And it's like, okay, it's not getting the effect you think it is. You know, other than the, the marks are laughing at a guy getting power bombed four times. But it's not. Well, it's, especially it's not. You had to get up three times to, to do the fourth one. Yeah, you had to get up three times to do the fourth one. They don't understand. Instead of that. one awesome <laughs> one, or at least you got to do it like Jericho did, where he kept them. Like Jericho gave you one, boom, pulled you back up, and gave you the second one, boom, one, two, three. But when you power bomb a guy and walk around the ring and admire yourself and then pick him up and give him another one. You One, you're throwing the power bomb away because when Show gave it or Taker gave it or uh, Kevin Nash gave it or Sid, that was it. It was a power bomb. Like, that's it. Even Adam Bomb when he hit a power bomb. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I used it and no one got up. 
Like that was the point. If if you're gonna power bomb a guy and he kicks out, it's got to be like just at two and a half. You know, not just pick him up and put it. It's called chopping meat. You know, and um, that it doesn't it doesn't build you. You know, Brock didn't have to do five F5s. You know what I'm saying? Like he did one. And that was it, you know. And then, you know, there might have been, you know, the world championship against another top guy. The guy might have slipped out of one. But, I mean, it was good enough to beat Taker at Mania. You know what I'm saying? Like, you wouldn't throw it away. So, it's just. Well, one of the issues is at the right time in, in our careers and other people's career, they've, they've had a kick out of a finish. And it's blew the roof off the place. And people have now seen that as, well, we need to do that every match. Every match. And they don't. And they don't realize the reason why it was so effective. Because it never because happened. No, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So it's and, like they don't understand the psychology of it. It's They, they but, miss out. And I think, Trevor, too, like it's going back to what Tyra said, working smarter, right? Where if anyone wants to say, I don't think, you know, Damian Sandow did enough wrestling moves, okay, but if – you know, the reality, and we all know this, if I had done more moves, my career wouldn't have been any greater or lesser, right? It was all about the crowd. And if yeah. you're in the opening match or the match after intermission or whatever, right, and you can get the crowd by just kind of doing like a straight comeback and going home, but the place goes unglued. See, that's the key. It's not putting the effort into the, the design. It's putting the effort into the execution, right? And that's all the difference, and that's what separates pros from marks yeah i agree like that's it's a that funny a long pause Sorry. yeah no i thought pause. someone i was giving i was giving kev the floor i thought kev oh. was gonna no. um because yeah, well, kevin no, I, I mean I here's a guy I, I, I don't know if I, what i said was bad no 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 but kev um yeah you came into the business wide open like your eyes wide open and when you started to figure out it's about the story uh, what at what were you were well because you didn't have much time. I mean, you came in, you were green. They put a title on you really fast, uh, and you were on the road like you were fast tracked. I was fast tracked too. Uh, it's one of those things where you just kind of like I was fast tracked my first time, um, yeah. and uh, it didn't go well. But you were fast tracked, and you ended up in Mania. So, and at what point did you go from having heart attacks out there before you went out? <laughs> To like, hey, this is fun. Yeah. Well, I, when I was first brought up, I was a heel and playing off Miz. I mean, that was that was just easy. And then the stuff I did on NXT season two, it kind of it worked. And I and I learned and I was, you know, I, I learned that you, it really wasn't about like Aaron said, it really wasn't about the moves. It was when I transitioned to be a baby face that I kind of got lost. Right. Because because I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this, 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 this and this. And people kept saying, it's not it's that you you're doing too much. And I just I never quite like until later in my career, I never quite like. Figure that out, because you think you want to go out there and you want to. But if you have a 10 minute match and you're doing, you know, five, six seven you know of your of your best stuff in the first three minutes you get to the end of the match and they're they're popped out you know what i mean they're not going to cheer and the point is to get them to be you know at their hottest point at your comeback so it took me a while to kind of pick that up and learn that i think the hardest thing to do is to learn to be a baby face and it used yeah. to be when you were green you were a baby face right because the heel is the guy who calls the match he's the general well, you know He's the guy that picks the spots and is, knows the comeback, and he's the more experienced guy, and he's the heel. He feeds the crowd. He knows when to give you a comeback, a hope spot. That's yeah. how it was supposed to be done. When you are when you come in and you learn to be a heel first, you're not really developing the cell and understanding the cell. You're not understanding the nuances of the baby face. Because yeah, when you – when you're the when you're the heel and you've been a babyface, you know what to look for. Like Ricky Steamboat, just because of the way he looked, but he would have been a phenomenal heel because no, he no one can out babyface Ricky Steamboat. So he knows when he would talk about babyfaces and gear changes and and things of that nature. It's like you could as a heel, you just absorb it because everything you do to him, he's going to register, and that's why they loved him so much. 
every move there was a reaction. You know, he gave you gave him a chop in the throat. He sold it like you ripped his larynx out. Like everything mattered, you know. And then when he had enough of your bullshit and starts firing up and doing the dragon stuff, everyone's going nuts because they they felt they felt the pain with him. Like he Snooker was another one that could do that, you know. But it's like this: you you get fast tracked to TV so fast. That like you don't learn the the little tiny things that make the difference between not having to do seven hurricanranas and four ring dives a night to get the crowd to react to you. I remember too when I was booked early, like I, I was booked in like the dark match or the opening match, and I wanted to do everything I had because I was like, well, how else are they going to see it? Right. But it really wasn't about that. It was no. About, you know, you're the, you're the first match on the card. You know, you're out there for six minutes. Hit one finish and you're out. Yep. And I always kind of wanted to get into false finishes and all that stuff, but it was you know. You tell the story process. and you build the card. Hey. Now, see the 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 marks online that want to see you kill yourself and do ten thousand moves because they have no idea what they they're so smart they know the business so well they can't do it, but they want to talk about it and they need to know everything that that's why I hate dirt sheets and shit. It's like stupid. Like you get a job, watch on the watch when the show comes on, and when the show goes off the air, leave the guys alone. Yeah. You know, it's That's like if really you're doing like, a magic show or you film a movie and then you're just emailing Lucas the whole time about, well, you know, Re- Return of the Jedi needs to be this and this and you didn't do that. You know, it's like, don't you have, you're not like, I love when they critique matches and make videos where they're sitting in a chair telling guys what, how it should be because they know so much. They don't know shit. It's like, it, you have to take it for a grain of salt with, with these guys. And I have no respect for them. It's like, you're not getting paid to do it. No one's asking you for these long-winded opinions and i laugh when they i get uh, asked to do their little podcast and stuff i don't think i've ever done one i just like what's the point like if you want to wrestle and you know it so well put on a pair of tights and go do it yeah but people used to say to me too oh you got a great look you got great music but you, you can't wrestle yeah so I, would say, so I would say okay well let me do these five moves and then that proves that I can wrestle because I'm athletic and I'm gonna hit these moves. But and then I and then I, you know, I always thought and think now that a guy wrestling is knowing what not to do. Exactly. You know what I mean? Not 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 so much knowing what to do here, but knowing okay, th- this is what I'm not gonna do. You know, I don't need to do this much to get over. No, and there comes a time to do some cool athletic stuff. And, um, you know, and a lot of the, the lighter weight guys do incredible stuff out there. And there, there is a place for it. Do not get it. There is a place for it. It's just when every match has seven planches in it, right. nobody cares anymore by the time you get to the main event. And you want the champ like, uh, the crazy thing of kicking out at one. <laughs> Everyone was like, what? Because everyone kicks out at two. It's just yep. they they and then you hear them yell two and that's just them being smart asses you know because they know it and you know you wouldn't do a magic show where you kept um telling the telling the magic trick right before he does it the guy would kick you out yeah and you really technically you shouldn't have false finishes until the end of the card no right? you I shouldn't mean, no ma- yeah. No matter how good or bad somebody is in the beginning, I mean, if you're structuring a show, like if you're going over and you got an awesome finish, if you got a a 460 uh, centon bomb that you hit, uh, and you know one two three, great. But if you're not going over, why hit it? Yeah. You know, the other thing is ego. I think a lot of it is ego, especially guys that have never been in a fight before. Like they, their their persona is they're so tough that they can't get beat with one finish. They got to get beat with three. You know because well, and, and it's like a lot of that is guys believe in their own hype. Yeah, and you know, and let's let's just call it spade a spade. There's a lot of puts in our in the wrestling business. No, there is. There guy. really is. And man, they don't understand what a real fight is. They don't understand like if. At times when they step into, let's just say, half of our locker room, the NWA locker room, there's several guys in there that if you tried to shoot on them, they'd probably fish hook you or pop an eyeball out because they know what they're doing in there. And in a lot, there's a lot more, less of those guys and a lot more pussies in the business, if that makes no, yeah, no. sense at all. Uh, 
So we lose a certain amount of psychology because those guys that aren't so tough are out there trying to portray that they're tough. It's almost like a, uh, uh, a small dick syndrome. Yeah. You know, the guys with the big truck. Yep. You know, and they, uh, you know, you know, they're going out there trying to pretend to be tough guys because in real life they couldn't beat their way out of a wet paper bag, and it screws up psychology when it comes to wrestling. Yeah, because I'm tough. It takes 25 power bombs to beat me, and it's like, does it? You're listening to the Three Wise Men, and we'll be right back after this. Well, speaking as someone who is not tough, um, you know, but but does have a big ego. Like the ego is going out there and rocking the place like that. Like it, it's yep. almost like there are two separate businesses existing under the same banner. And, and like the people that approach the business that the way of like, I need to get my move who's in X, Y, Z they're They're not even doing the same thing. It, it's literally checkers and chess. And that is the best analogy. And I know that's yep. kind of an elementary one, but it, that's what it is. No, that's a great point. Like, it's just, you want, like, and it's like anything else in life, you know, uh, when you look at when guys, you know, you're trying to build that card and you're trying to, you're trying to take things to, you want, you want things to be like, a, you want the show. You want people to, they come in and they are there till the end. You don't want to do where they're exhausted, but, and the main event hasn't even come out yet. Yep. You know, and there's a lot of that, you know, and, um, it's like uh, guys just wrestling's weird because it's a team sport, but it's individual achievement. If that makes any sense, yeah. well, just, to help get that back to way it is, you've got to have promoters that are willing to take a little bit more control and know about the wrestling business. Yeah, a promoter, if it's, if you know, the whole goal is to send them home happy. So it has to be a buildup, and that promoter's got to know what matches he's put together and what kind of reaction he's going to get from the people out of those guys. On top of the fact, he needs to go and talk to those individuals and explain to them the position on where they're at in the card and what he needs out of them 100%. Um, we have a lot of people that are in control that are running shows that don't have that experience and can't express that to the wrestlers. So they're going out there willy-nilly and just trying to have the best match of the night, which is great. I just want you to have the best second match of the night. Or I want you to have the best fourth match of the night. I'm not looking for main event stuff out of you. I have a main event already, and I need to save that stuff for them. So am I, am I making sense? No, yeah, no. What, you, what you're talking about is a booker. Right. Right. And, and there's a lot, and there's, I'm not trying to be hateful on other promotions and stuff like that, but that truly takes experience to be a booker. You can't just have enough money and, and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to open up a wrestling company and I'm going to be successful at it. You truly have to have experience and the storytelling aspect of, of what we're doing here. And it's not only in each individual matches, it's all, it's how all these individual matches come together and how the people are going to feel at the end of the night. Yep. That's what we're looking for. It's almost like a, a climax. I don't want to go too per perverted, but you guys know the gimmick. You, know? you got to build it and you got to take it home. Yeah. That's why yeah. like Gorilla Monsoon was a booker. Dusty Rhodes was a booker. Chief J Strongo was a booker. It was guys who had been in the business forever, you know, when they, their wrestling days were behind them and then they transitioned and they were the bookers. They would tell the stories and this is what we want and this is what we need in this match. And, you know, in the, and if you can give us what we want, then you're our guy. And yep. then you get jobs like guys like Lombardi and Barry Horowitz. They go out, this is what we need. We got to get this guy over SD Special Delivery Jones. They always were on the card. They weren't, they weren't getting the push, so to speak, but they were always working. You saw them every week. Because they knew what they knew what was asked of them, and they did it at a high level. They made guys over. Like the Bundy comes out and pins two guys and, and beats them in thirty seconds and does the five count. He does that doesn't work if those guys aren't selling. Yep. You know, no one was in the back calling SD Jones. You know, a wimp. I mean, they could try. It would have ended badly for you, but. You know, those they knew their role and they did it well. And there's this I always thought the guys that do the favor should get paid more. 
Yeah. 100%. And you, you know, if you would do it like that, you know how many guys would have their hands raised to do the, the favor? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can I cannot get a hot I can buy a cheeseburger and have gas money instead of a hot dog and a handshake. Yeah, I'll lay down for that gap. Yeah. It's a it's yeah. a it's a funny it's like and then if you're talking about psychology, which is the most important thing in wrestling, if somebody doesn't understand what we're talking about, this is all negative. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is all negative. They'll get the little feelers will come out, you know, and they'll want to be in their uh, safe space or whatever the hell it is, but they, they don't, they take it personally and it's not, it's just like, uh, that was the thing about like Arn that Arn was such a great agent. Cause his straight tell you, there's no story that sucked. I don't care how many moves you did. Dr. Tom, uh, one of the best psychologists in the game would always tell, would always do the two elephants humping in your front yard story. Like after a while, <laughs> nobody cares. When you do it the first night, it's amazing. But by night 15, I already seen it. What else you got? Yeah, Arn used to tell me you're wasting your punches. Yeah. Yep. And I'd say, I, I, you know, and like like you said, coming from a football background and, and getting fast-tracked, trying to connect with these things, he'd be like, Kevin, you just punched. That guy needs to sell one punch. Yep. One punch. Your punch looks good. The guy goes to the ground. That's it. Done. And I'm like, well, they're you know, they're saying I can't wrestle. And he's like. This is wrestling. Understanding this, yes, you know what I mean, it's you not know, the move. What it is? It's not. It's not moves. You know, because <laughs> the other thing is this: you punch a guy ten times in the head, and his eyes aren't swollen. It's kind of yeah, hard to you. be believable. Exactly. I never threw punches. I rarely did, and usually gut punches, or I'd be missing, or I'd I'd bang, I'd do the the Vaders in the corner, or I'd bang you up in the corner a little bit, but. Uh, my theory was if I'm punching you in the face and there's no marks, we in trouble. Especially a guy your size. Yeah, it's just you have to be. Now, I might want to play, be to have a night off and throw a bunch of punches and all that. Shit. And there's a lot of times I'd think about stuff and be like, no, that's not, I don't need to do that tonight. You know, I'm going to work because one good punch is better than five. You're 100%. One good punch in the throat is better than five. Yeah. And, yeah, I, yeah. I experienced that. <laughs> you know, uh, then to pull him back, get up. <laughs> like, no, sell. Yeah. Sell. Like, uh, you know, no, get up. We got to do our spot. You know, and it's funny because when we were having our match at 74, we had a lot of stuff in there. But the, the story of the match took us somewhere else. And it was just, it, it was the, it was just Trevor overcoming me. And everything I hit him with, you know, and it wasn't chopping me because I let everything breathe. And him just getting back into the ring when I thought I had him, you know, uh, well, that, and then making a mistake, a, a hesitation. Involved. Yeah. And then I, I'm hesitated. And, that's <laughs> and then and I, and I got beat, you know, and that was the story. You make a mistake. Uh, any given night in NWA, you're going to lose. You can't make mistakes out there. And then, then, but then it set up the story because now I have to live with the mistake. And then I smoked the next three guys I came out in the ring with because I was pissed off that I made a you know that I I made a mental error in a championship match. There's the story, you know. And now Trevor has a mental edge over me because I lost I lost my my cool in the match, and he didn't. He knew what was on the table. He did what needed to be done, and that's why he retained his championship. It's a good story. Not hey, I need you got to hit me with six bulldogs, dog. That's the only way it makes sense. But the psychology and the story we were telling humanized you, bro. It yep. made people go, "Wow, like he can lose like this." What a mistake! Could be a I was undefeated play. for a year. And blew it. It humanized you, and it it totally inflated the story to the next level. And with the right time, and you obviously, you know, I'm very thankful because you know, you know as well as I do, that could have went a different way. Um, it made the story. It brought people in to be more invested in what we were doing. And you had no ego about it. You knew what it was. It would do, and you knew it was for the right person at the right time. Yeah, they literally um, switched the finish that day. <laughs> and it was like, okay, boss, well, let's do this then. I didn't throw a chair. <laughs> you know. Uh, get mad. No, you know, uh, the only thing I had to worry about was Rick. 
crying. <laughs> a little emotional. He got a little, a little emotional, emotional on me. But uh, but just take ourselves out of it, right? But like when you think of why was Macho Man so great? Because he told stories. He just he talked it. He walked it. He lived it. Him and Steamboat is probably the biggest robbery of a storied great feud. They had that lights out match at WrestleMania three, and we never got it again. And we were so invested in that story, you know, and we just never got it again because it was so over that uh, the big guy in yellow and red who had everything in the world apparently was threatened by it. So that went away. And it was like, man. But then we got it with Flair and Steamboat. Well, every wrestler should watch Macho Man uh, Steamboat WrestleMania. Just just sidebar. every wrestler But you start from the beginning. You start from when they had the match on Saturday night's main event. Uh, and and Savage takes the de- uh, the bell and runs and lands and crushes his larynx and then Steamboat yeah. might never talk again. Like the soap opera and the drama of it was building up going into Mania. You didn't even know if Steamboat was going to show up, you know. And then meanwhile, you got this crazy dynamic with George the Animal Steel and Miss Elizabeth because why Steamboat couldn't wrestle because his throat was crushed. Savage was wrestling uh, George the Animal Steel. So it was like they just, it just, it was such a great story. And then it all comes together at WrestleMania 3. And what sucked was in WrestleMania 4, I think that would have changed the dynamic of WrestleMania 4 if Savage would have beaten Steamboat to go into wrestling the million dollar man that he had this unbelievable ma- another match with steamboat to where does he have enough in the tank you know and i think we missed out on that story and you know in, in talking to steamboat about it he was all ready to do the favor to pay him back for what he did to him at wrestlemania 3 but the office just didn't want to see it because the story was really about hogan hitting you know uh the million dollar man in the back with the chair which and i thought that always that took away from savage's Run, you know, it's like Hogan was just around his championship run, his first run, and I, th- I thought that diminished it a little bit. You know, he doesn't well, get. Could the... you imagine if we would have had both? Like, yeah. Why couldn't had both? You know what I'm saying? Like that's man, I, it gets exciting just hearing you talk about it because we, because it's we such a great out. story. Yes, and egos ruined it, man. It's, yeah, and what did Steamboat have? A chop? He did a chop off the top or a high cross body off the top. Yeah, that was it. Best seller in the business. Yeah, man. but that was he didn't need shit. I mean, that's what, it, and that was what Aaron's point was. He, Aaron did a spinning elbow, and uh, and then irritated the shit out of you the entire match. Did mean things. <laughs> You well, know, Aaron's able to draw an emotional reaction from the people right then. Yeah, they there. really like, want him to get his ass kicked. Like with Damian yeah. Sandow, though, and we would milk it until I'd finally get my hands on him, and it would take eight minutes to get my hands on him because he would do, then, you know, and then he would give it back to him, and they'd be going crazy. And then some nights he'd duck the duck the splash in the corner and roll me up and slide out of the ring. Ha ha. And be out, and some nights I'd catch his ass and hit the big and hit the big deal on him, you know. And but it was like, but it was the same formula. Yeah, but but on a house show, you you have a hundred percent success rate on a house show because the way our characters were, like, why would I win? You know what I mean? Because you would do the thing with the dancing, and everyone would be happy. It was like a no matter what, like they were insane. Well, you would interrupt it. You'd interrupt the dancing. You'd come out, chastise the crowd and me. And before you could insult the girls, I would go after you. You would jump over the top rope and then jump over the guardrail. (laughs) Screaming. That's right. This high-pitched scream. How much do you think your promo played a part in, like, it's getting to that level. Just as big as the match. It was the pro it's yeah. the story. You're telling your story. That's why the promo is so important. The promo isn't about burying the guy or talking about shit in the back, which is that's what it's turned into. Where everyone's a shooter now, you know, and they're telling the sheets and they're talking to the marks. That's not what it was about. You built your opponent up, or if you 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 rent you talk trash about him, and then you put him over. But you you sold tickets with your promo. You you and people invested in you in your promo. Dusty Rhodes wasn't loved for his elbow drop. 
he was loved for when he got on that damn mic, and then he went out there, and you loved him, and you wanted to see him win. And when he and didn't, you, know you cried. And when he won, you cried because you were emotionally invested. When Steamboat sold, you felt it because they yeah. they got you. When they talked, they got you. Sandow goes out there, and he starts basically telling everyone that they're a bunch of crow magnums and they're ignorant as shit and they're ugly. The entire place is like, please beat his ass. And then they don't. He doesn't. We don't give it to him. And then eventually, when it does happen, they can't wait to cheer for him to get his ass beat. And he still doesn't give it to him. You know, he'll he'll talk about his trunks were pulled or he was something. You know, he won't he won't sell it to him. And he'll walk out dignified. You know, and um, that that's the. That's when you got him. When you're like, "Hey, what was the biggest move you did that night? Uh, a body slam, a couple elbow drops, and a and a splash, I think." And yeah, but I mean, it was and like figure four. Yeah, and a figure four. Oh, okay. What were they reacting to? Why was the crowd so loud? They just wanted to see me beat up Aaron, and we didn't give it to him. You know, and it's like you watch if you watch any of the stuff that is the, the foregrounds for why we're all here today, and then every once in a while you'll see it. Now, I think I think Moxley tells a great story. Uh, you know, Jericho and those guys obviously you know they can tell they tell great stories. Uh, you know, Jeff uh, Jarrett. Jeff I'm gonna Jarrett. Give you got to give. Hey, you tell a story. Say what you want about yeah. him. Um, Amen. He can tell a story. You know, and yeah. he doesn't need. And these guys don't need the writers. You know, you, writers will tell you stories and shit like that, but there's certain guys, they just go out there and they just create stories. And you just want to see them, you know? And, um, well, that goes back to the match you and I had 74. Those guys are smart enough to know, like, when they see something and they feel something that they didn't expect. You got to take that chance. Way. You got to, when yeah. you feel it, do it. Because when you feel it and hesitate, You'll you'll spend your whole night in the car going, why didn't I do that? Because I, I made those mistakes before because it wasn't what we talked about in the back. But that's part of the learning curve. And then it is when you talk in the back, one of my favorite things to say is let's get away from each other for a while. Yep. And then we'll come back to it. And then we'll go out there and then we'll be in the back laughing going, we didn't use half that shit. Sounded good in the back, but then we got out there and the crowd just – it's like, hey, we're getting so much out of this trapezius stuff. Let's just stick with it. Right. I'll, I'll power bomb you later. <laughs> like yep. we've got it. We don't need it. You know, they're chanting and he fights yeah. up and I pull his hair back down and they're like, You son of a bitch. I'm like, We're hey, this is good for everybody. <laughs> Both while we're taking the you know. Yeah, you know, but it wasn't. Trevor's like, "Hey, I gotta get in my high cross body off the top rope. Let's go." That's what we talked about. Like, no, we ain't. We ain't going nowhere, bro. Not tonight. (laughs) We staying right here. Like as long as. And listen, there will be some stuff that's not working, and it's up to the heel to get you out of it. That's a ring jet. You got to leave from underneath. That was always Steamboat says you got to leave. Even if you got to leave from underneath, man, if it's not going right, doesn't sound right, you fix it. Don't wait. Don't wait till you get to the back to fix the match. You fix it out there. If something doesn't go to plan, you don't go back to it. That's one of the worst things ever. Guy misses a spot, picks him up, shoots him off, and does rolls right back to the spot again. The worst. I've seen that happen one time, and a guy goes, "Oh, they'll they'll fix it in editing." I go, bro, this is an indie show. <laughs> what, what edit- yeah. What, and what ed- that is what so lazy. Editing, like, what yeah. editing do you yeah. got going on? I mean, bro? sometimes it's the boss too, man. So uh and I guess we'll end the show. So I'm uh wrestling Ziggler and and uh Swag get interferes and the two of them beat me up and they shoot me off and I duck the line, and I hit him with this awesome flying clothesline, double clothesline. Apparently the boss hates double clotheslines. So we hit it, the crowd's reacting, they roll out, music hits, Funkasaurus dance, whatever. We get in the back, he's like, go out there and do it again. I don't want no flying uh, double clothesline. And we're like, huh? Uh. <laughs> like, what? And we, are you going to tell him no? Like, and we went out there and we had to redo the match. And the crowd was just like, uh, we just saw this shit. Like, what are you doing? You know? And stuff like that happens. Like, I think one time somebody missed something on a, on a table. And then they made him go back out and do the table again so they could edit it. And you're just like, I, I, I hate that's the worst feeling in the world. Oh, and the crowd feels so bad lucky for you. I never, 
<laughs> so lucky I never had to do that. Have you so seen lucky. that? Yes. Yeah, I've heard about it several oh, times. Especially when you're with the company, you'd hear stories about it, like uh, SmackDown. Yeah. Because SmackDown wasn't live. No, nope. so, right. Yeah, I was going to say it happened on SmackDown a lot. Yeah. 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 They'd be like, redo like, it. I don't like it. And you're like. A whole match. Yep. A whole match. Yeah. Do the same thing. Don't change anything. I just don't like that double clothesline at the end. Hit him with something else. <laughs> right. And you're <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm sweating. My tracksuit's ripped off. <laughs> like, okay, let's go. You know, and yeah. Dolph be like, well. What are we gonna do? Uh, and then you go out there and you do it. But uh, I guess that's the. I, I mean, like I said, I'm. We've been harping on the storytelling thing for two weeks because I just feel like it's such a lost art and wouldn't be doing justice if we didn't talk about it. And that's one of the it things. It would make guys' lives easier. But I guess that's, that's what makes the the NWA niche is that there's we tell stories and don't worry, we've got guys that do crazy stuff like that. But we're just they're trying to do it in a way that makes sense to where people, they get just enough to love you and want more, but it's not, it's not what else you got. It's, can I see that again? And I think that's what, that's the difference. That's the difference where between where a guy's doing amazing things and that like you see the guys, they're covered in tape. They're beat to hell because they're, they, they wrestle for moves, not the story. And the wrestling was about the story. So you could do it every week. You know, that's why you didn't box. But I'll, I'll 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 leave my rant there. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, you know, for more podcasts like this, just like this, you can check us out at foxnewspodcast.com. Uh fellas, anything coming up? We've got that uh we got a pay per view October twenty eighth. Uh, love of God, I cannot <laughs> pronounce the name. Aaron, it's a Royal Royal King match. What is it? The- it is. A night of the round table tables match. Ah, <laughs> yeah. I I, yes. I feel like this has got Aaron all over it. It does have hey. Aaron written all over it. You know, hey, give him uh, give him something to want to see, right? But um, no, actually, this pay per view where uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. When and I was talking about this, uh, I did an interview with Mike Johnson yesterday, where like we're relying on old school wrestling philosophy you know in in terms of how we're getting through um you know the next pay-per-view and stuff so this will be a testament let's see if it works see if it doesn't and it's never not worked no and that's uh that's all i gotta say about that if it ain't broke all right fellas i gotta fly mm-hmm. i gotta go shoot this uh this gutfeld show um but i'll, I'll, get, I'll see y'all same time same bat channel next week and uh, you know, I've got uh, I got a live show, and uh, actually, by the time you hear this, it'll be over. But uh, I'll say it anyways. I may why have not? Santino next week. Say what? I, I may have Santino next week. I'm going to be up in Canada with him. Oh yeah, you might, well, you're so staying with him. You're going to hit his couch. The least you can do is put him on a podcast. I have my own room <laughs> in his house. Yes. Yeah, of course. Freeload. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Listen ad-free with Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.